What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Briel. And on today's episode, I recorded this for the South Carolina Health and Fitness Association. And we are talking about biomechanics. What are biomechanics? When do we use biomechanics? How much do biomechanics matter? And also, how do we use them? So I'll explain my philosophy for biomechanics, when they matter, kind of the ends of the spectrum, How much do they matter for pain? How much do they matter for injuries? How much do they matter for performance? And I'll talk about some specific uses and examples. If you're a student or a health, wellness, or fitness professional, you definitely need to listen to this episode. And we need to all reframe our use or maybe our view of biomechanics. If you are listening, we have some exciting news coming soon. So make sure to follow Made to Move PT and Healthy Charleston on Instagram. Otherwise, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right. What's up, everyone? I am Dr. Hannah Briel. I'm a physical therapist with Made to Move, and I am. we are providing the clinical content for the South Carolina Health and Fitness Association. So let's talk biomechanics and, more importantly, reframing biomechanics. All right. So what are biomechanics? Because I think we need to define this first. When we think about biomechanics, we think about the study of the mechanical laws related to movement. So it means the analysis of movement, how things in our bodies work together to produce force. The reason we have muscles and tendons and ligaments is because they all work together to produce force to meet a goal. And so biomechanics are the sciences concerned with the internal and external forces acting on a human body and the effects produced by those forces. So it's a lot, it can be kind of like physics and I never really liked physics. When I think about it, and I think in the fitness and the health and fitness industry, we think about it as how someone moves and movement patterns and how someone moves to get something done. So the way that our profession may be used to view it as We are using biomechanics to do things in a safer way to reduce wear and tear, 
Um, but that is not really how it works. And we know that inherently, quote unquote, wear and tear isn't what happens because we place stress on our bodies and our bodies adapt to that to become more prepared for that stress. Cartilage gets thicker, muscles get stronger, etc. So we are now shifting to it is not so that we can remove stress and pressure because we need stress and pressure. That's how things adapt, but it's showing us how we can change the way someone moves to meet a goal or maybe change the goal. So when do they matter? Because the question is not, do they matter? And I think, you know, the pendulum, we always like to swing it. So it's not, do biomechanics even matter? Like they obviously matter, it's science, it's physics, whatever. But it's when do they matter? How much do they matter? And how do I apply them to myself, to my patients, to my clients? I view biomechanics as using what we know to meet a goal. So I wanna take advantage of biomechanics so that I can move the stress and shift the stress to target different areas and to target different stimuli based on my goal. So again, in the past, PTs as movement specialists, we thought of biomechanics as using our knowledge to reduce wear and tear on joints. And in that way, we made people move in certain ways that were considered safe. Like if I went you know, researching for this, and if you just put in biomechanics, so many articles come up, blog articles, whatever, about, oh, you have to trust biomechanics so that you move in a safe way. But we know that that's not true that there are millions of ways to move that are safe. So think about it this way. Biomechanics tell us, based on physics and complicated equations, how muscles move bones. So our bicep, our bicep acts on our elbow to bend it based on where our biceps tendons attach. So if we were not meant to move in a certain way, if I wasn't meant to be able to bend my elbow, if I wasn't meant to put my knee over my toe or to round my back, I would not be able to do that because we would not have muscles and tendons and connective tissues and all of these structures that allowed us to move in those, in those ways. When we round our backs, when we put our knees over our toes, we're not you know, eating the forbidden fruit. We're just doing something that our body does. We're just doing something we're moving our, our body in the way that it moves. And so how can some things be safe and how can some things be unsafe? And that's, that's the logic and that's why we know that biomechanics are more used for giving us the knowledge of how we can change the task or the movement to meet a goal. And we'll go through some examples of that. So it should be that we are using what we know to tweak it for a goal, performance, you know, it might be pain related. We'll talk about that. So we're tweaking where we're putting the stress. Okay, so if I have someone bend their knees less, what does that do based on what I know about biomechanics? Does that place more stress here? Does that place more stress there? And where do I want the stress? So let's think about a couple different uses. One, I want more stress here because it's tolerable and I want a stimulus for change in that tissue. So like the reason that we squat, we want our quads to get stronger. We squat below parallel because we want our glutes to get stronger. I want to squat to cause a stimulus for change. 
that also has a lot to do with not just biomechanics, but exercise selection and also prescription. The second use is I want less stress here because maybe they've been placing too much stress there and they're too sensitive to it for now. So like I last week, maybe the week before that, did a bunch of double unders and jumping and running. The week before that, I actually took that week, week off because I was on vacation. So last week, because of all that, my calves were feeling achy and crampy during my run. I had to stop because my calves hurt. So maybe I put too much stress on them. You know, I can't go back and change that now. I can't foam roll the stress out, but now I have feedback. Okay, what I did based on what I was used to doing was too much stress. And now going forward, I'm going to make the decision to limit my jumping and running demands in the short term. And in the long term, slowly build back up to the level I was at before my vacation versus just going zero to 100. And so with that, we know that it wasn't the stress. It wasn't the jumping. It wasn't the running. It was the dosage of it. All right, so let's think about a squat. What are the things required for someone to squat? And if you're not in the health and fitness industry, if you're a patient, you know, this might be interesting, but also might be a good time to take a nap. So we need hip flexion. We need knee flexion. We need ankle dorsiflexion, thoracic extension, and lumbar flexion. Some people would probably be like, oh my God, no, you don't need lumbar flexion, but you do. And if you put devices on your lumbar spine that measure the degree of movement, even when we try to keep a very neutral spine, whatever neutral means, we actually do have flexion. So that is a movement that our bodies are able to do. Let's say that my patient has knee, has had knee surgery. Let's say they had a knee replacement or some other knee surgery, and they just don't even have 90 degrees of knee flexion available to them. And so now let's say I'm trying to load their quads and I'm trying to load their glutes. We know that to squat below parallel or to target our glutes more, we need to squat below parallel. Okay, well, they can't squat below parallel because they don't have 90 degrees of knee flexion. So I know, based on all of that, that I need to change the movement so that I can still find a way to place stress on their quads and their glutes and all of these other things. I know that if someone has anterior knee pain, let's say they might be sensitive to loading in the anterior knee, we don't want to avoid it completely. We don't want to be zero and we don't want to be 100, but we do want to build up positive movement experiences in the front part of their knee so we can do something that starts to expose loading to that part of their knee, but not do the full movement that will place like the maximum amount of stress on their knee because they're sensitive to it right now, just like for me and my jumping example. So we can do something like, a Spanish squat or another quad exercise. So we use what we know about, okay, well, the squat is going to place stress here. And these are the requirements for the squat. Either they don't have it or it's not tolerable for right now. How am I going to change it? So I get the benefit of why I chose the squat in the first place. Uh -oh. Okay, there we go. All right. So it's not, do they matter? Do biomechanics matter? It's when they matter. When do they matter and how much? I like to view it as a spectrum. If you're watching this, you can see the spectrum. If you're listening, 
just think about an arrow, but the arrow on both ends, you know, is an arrow. So it matters what the goal is. On one end is high important, high importance. So on both ends, it's important. On the left, what I've written out, it's important for people with high sensitivity or high pain levels or recovering from an injury or you have like the injury in mind. So maybe more like PT over here. On the other end of the spectrum, it matters if you're looking at high performance. So I'm trying to get the most done in the least amount of time, I'm trying to be the most efficient. That's how I think of it. In the middle, biomechanics don't matter that much. They're not that important if you are well adapted, the movement is low effort, and pain is not a concern. So let's go through what each of those mean. So to take an example of high importance for high performance as a goal, think about if anybody watched the games or if you just watch sports in general, the CrossFitters at the games had a 21.59 bike calorie and power snatch. That weight is something that they could throw around easily. But this workout is a sprint. You have to move as fast as possible. And there are no mistakes allowed because if your snatch takes 0.02 seconds longer than someone else's, you're going to lose to that person. So you have to move the bar in the most efficient way possible. I'm sure if the goal of the movement was for them to get the bar from the ground to overhead, they could have done that and done it in a way that made them look like a baby giraffe. And people would be like, why are they moving it in that way? But it's not that it was dangerous because they're well adapted to that weight and that movement and weights and movements way more, way higher and way more complicated than that. They need to move it very efficiently, just like the Olympic weightlifters at, you know, the Olympics, because it's for time or they're trying to move the most amount of weight over their head. And so they have to use biomechanics, okay, if I move the bar closer, if the bar is in this position versus this position, you need to move the bar in the most efficient way possible. That's an example where the performance matters the most. So the other side of the equation, high importance because of high pain levels or high sensitivity, you need to control it within their constraints for what is tolerable. We don't want to avoid it but we don't wanna just go ham and just totally disregard the way that this person is feeling. All right, so let's talk about the high pain or the injury side of things. Really, at the end of the day, like we just wanna keep things tolerable. We wanna temporarily modify the way that you move so that you can modify your symptoms and allow things to calm down, but we don't wanna avoid those things forever. So we wanna find a way to apply a tolerable amount of stress. I'm sure we all know people that just avoid movements that have once been painful or sensitive to them, and that's where people get stuck. So when I moved in that way, it hurt. This is some people's thought process. When I moved in that way, it hurt. It must be bad for me. I must be causing damage, so I'm never moving that way again. And a lot of that is just like how humans work in general. It's very protective. We're trying not to place, we're, not, we're trying not to experience pain. So much so that it can sometimes be our downfall. So what started in that case as symptom modification actually turned into fear avoidance, which is what we don't want. Instead, I would urge you, I would urge you to urge your people to temporarily modify that movement for now to be more tolerable. So if right now it hurts to pick something up from the floor, 
okay, well, let me find another way to pick something up from the fork for now, but I don't want it to turn into the only way that I can pick up something from the floor is this. You need to slowly build that movement back up over time. So if squatting causes me pain right now, there are a million different ways that I can bend my knees to allow for more tolerable symptoms. So I, I don't want it to be this, this all or nothing thing. The other end of the spectrum, again, is the high performance, optimal performance. So when you snatch, if you let the bar travel really far away from you, that takes more energy and more effort and you might not make the lift. So you have a smaller, a tighter window of options for, I don't know what I wrote here, a tighter window of options for optimal performance. So we're looking for a more efficient, optimal way to get the movement done that takes less energy or less time that is, it's not injury related. That's where, again, like people view this as, oh, they're moving it in that way because if they moved it in another way, it would hurt them. That's why a lot of people blame technique for pain. It's not that the way that they moved was bad. It was that they are not adapted to that. You know, I, I don't do a lot of snatches letting the bar travel really far away from me um, for a reason. It's because it would be really hard. That's not the point of the snatch. The point of the snatch is to make it happen as efficiently as possible. So if I were to ask you right now to get up from wherever you are and go to the bathroom, I'm sure there's one path that's the fastest way to get there, the quickest way to get there. So now I'm going to tell you, first, I want you to walk out of whatever building you're in. I want you to walk a circle around the building and then go to the bathroom. So if your goal was to take a walk, great, you accomplished that goal. If your goal was to get to the bathroom as fast as possible, we didn't accomplish that goal and we also wasted energy. So now we see that the, it depends on the goal. It's not injury or pain related. It just might place stress somewhere else or more stress somewhere that you might not be exposed or adapted or prepared for. And that's how we kind of want to start shifting what we're talking about. In the middle is where it doesn't really matter that much. This is low effort, pain-free movement that you've adapted to. So you don't need to worry about it too much. And we don't want to worry about it because overanalyzing it can actually cause more harm than good. So overanalyzing, especially newer people, like the way that someone moves can cause fear. It can cause avoidance. It can cause them to be hyper aware, hyper vigilant. Um, it can cause a fear of movement, which is kinesiophobia. And most importantly, it creates a barrier to exercise. So I'm sure if you're listening or if you're watching, you know someone who always says like, I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to exercise because I want to make sure I do it right. I need someone watching me. And I'm wondering where they got that barrier because I think as health and fitness professionals, I think a lot of the times we create those barriers and we say to our new clients like, oh, don't move in that way. You need to move in this way. And that way, like they can't start moving until they move perfectly. But that doesn't make sense because that's not how skills work. That's not how learning works. You need someone to have like a million reps of something before they start making it efficient, before they start making it aesthetically pleasing. So a lot of people say like, oh, you know, they move well. Well, what does that really mean? Does it, it looks pretty? 
or does it look like a baby giraffe? And so a lot, like we see that a lot with kids, you know, you look at kids and you're like, oh man, like what are they, what are they doing? But their kids are just learning. Their brains are learning like how to do this at this time. And we need to allow for that motor learning to occur because that's, what's going to make them successful rather than creating barriers and saying, you can't move until you know how to move correctly. You don't learn how to move correctly unless you move and you, there is no correctly. So at the end of the day, move in the way that gets the goal and the work accomplished. What I like to think about here is what is the standard of the movement and what is the goal of the movement? And otherwise in everyday life, what we really want to preach is just move. You don't need to pick things up a certain way. You don't need to bend a certain way. Just move. You are okay. You officially have the freedom to just move. So knowing all of that, I want to summarize and also talk about like some action steps or maybe how I think about these things. Again, am I completing the standard of the movement? Is the standard of the movement to get my hips below parallel? We think about CrossFit, a squat. Is the standard of the movement to keep my chest up in an air squat when I'm doing 300 squats? No, the standard of the movement is to get my hips below my knees. So is the movement accomplishing what I want it to accomplish? And so as a trainer, a PT, as someone who's working out, you can isolate different things and you can place stress in different places based on how you change your biomechanics. Like if I have, if I make you put your hips higher, or lower, I can target your hamstrings more. If I can make your knees bend more or less, I can target your quads differently. And so if it's, you know, am I completing the standard of the movement? Am I accomplishing what I want to accomplish now? If it's performance oriented, am I completing this as efficiently as I can? Am I completing it as fast as I can? Ultimately, you need to keep it tolerable. So if you have someone or if you, if you are someone that a certain movement is too painful or they're, you're afraid of it or you haven't done it a lot, find a way to break that movement up into small parts so you can start building up your tolerance to it. You might need to temporarily not do it, but you should find a way to do it that's tolerable. So that might be like, if a full squat right now for me is painful, okay, well, what version of a squat can I do? That's totally fine. Do that until things start to feel better, until I get more tolerance and now I can squat a little bit deeper. Knowing your goal matters a ton. This whole talk has been you know, based on the goal. And then also we wanna expose people to a lot of different ways of movement because when you're not exposed is when you might be more vulnerable. We want to be prepared so that we're not vulnerable and we want to adapt. We don't want to avoid that. Actually, that might be a new slogan. Adapt. Don't avoid. The biggest example that I can think of is an air squat. And I'm sure we've all been to the gym and we're just doing a bunch of air squats. And the coach is like, keep your chest up, keep your chest up, keep your chest up. And I'm like, when did the air squat become what my chest was about? So if I'm doing a ton of air squats, let's say in Murph, then I'm just trying to get that workout done. I'm just trying to do 300 air squats. 
If I'm doing air squats to prepare for a front squat, an overhead squat, or a back squat, then I'm going to keep my chest up. I'm going to try to prepare my body for the load that I'm going to add when I do a front squat. I need my chest up. If I don't have my chest up, I'm not going to be able to hold the bar for an overhead squat even more. So it just, again, like how many times do I have to say this? It depends on the goal. If I'm trying to fatigue my thoracic extension, I'm trying to work on my back muscles, I might try to keep my chest up. If I'm just trying to get the work done, et cetera. So if you are well adapted to moving in a certain way, that's what matters. And in talking about this, I wanna emphasize, there is nothing that's safer, no movement is safer than another movement. There's no movement that's more correct than another movement because Deadlifting with a quote unquote flat back at 300 pounds is still not considered appropriate if you've never deadlifted 30 pounds. So like flat back deadlifts, don't just get a free pass. You still have to be adapted to those things. You still have to progress. You still have to expose. You still have to be prepared for it. Your tissues have to be tolerant and prepared no matter what. And people are like, oh, well, you know, deadlifting this way is safe doing it this way is not safe. Either way, we never just tell someone to pick up 300 pounds. And if they do it with a flat back, it's fine. So again, like where this gets irky and why this matters is when we tell clients that they have to move in a certain way to be able to move. Like, no, Susie, you can't squat because your knees came in. No, Jeff, you can't deadlift because you look like a shrimp. We're just putting barriers. We're just making them afraid. We're just making them hyper aware. And we know that movement variability movement variability is like as common as personality variability so we have to stop telling people that moving in a certain way is injuring them or causing them problems because they've probably been moving that way their entire life so they've been moving that way in their entire life and then we're trying to change the way that they move because it's safer but we're actually adding in a new stimulus so for example a real-time example is i recently had a patient whose pt has told her that the reason she has back pain it's because she, when she lifts, like when she gardens, she twists. And the PT said, oh, well, that's why you have back pain. You shouldn't be doing that. So now she is very rigid in the way that she moves. She doesn't garden anymore. And she's really fearful to move her body. Fear rules her life. So was the issue that she twisted and lifted, was the issue that she just did too much? more than she was prepared for or recovered from. Now the issue is that she's really afraid and that she expects it to be painful. And this is another example of just how our words matter so much. When I was creating this presentation, when you look up how to squat on Google, there's like 17 different instructions. It's like, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. There's so many instructions. It's like, don't do this, because if you do that, your knee's gonna explode. If you blink the wrong way, you're doomed. And this is very frustrating because it's wrong and it just creates these scary barriers. And there's just so many people that feel like exercise isn't good for them or right for them because they just can't do it right. And that, what, you, you can't meet the standard of your, your trainer does that mean you just never exercise? Because there's way more harm in not exercising. We need everyone to exercise, which means we all gotta be on the same page of not creating barriers to exercising. There are so many different ways for our bodies to move. You gotta figure out what's your goal of the movement, what's your goal of the exercise, 
Are you doing the squats to prepare for adding a barbell? Are we doing the squats just to squat? And it makes me wonder how many people are out there afraid of movement because of our restraints. And I've been a part of it too, obviously, like we all have, and we're all now realizing we're shifting the way that we teach people and, and what we know has changed a lot and what we know matters changes a lot. So we're all just continuing to try to be better so that we can, you know, fight against obesity and chronic disease and over-medicalization and people not moving, people being sedentary. So the next time you're about to say something like, oh, don't move in that way, it's bad for you, take a step back, rephrase it, think about what your goal, why am I asking Susie to move in this way, and then go from there. So again, to summarize, we're not saying biomechanics don't matter. It's reframing our use of biomechanics and reframing when and how important they are because it all depends on the person in front of you. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. This will be online. This will also be part of a podcast. Everyone, thank you for listening or watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.